Well, it was really good that, that Andy started with 1 John 5, 11 and 12, for this to be the testimony that God gave us eternal life. That life is in his son. He who the son has life. He who does not have the, have the son doesn't have life. We have life. We do. And that was my saving verse. That was how I got saved. And, you know, I just want to give some principles today. I'm not going to do a deep Bible study, but what I want to do is to challenge us with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I want to start with covenants, because my opinion is that if we don't understand covenants, we don't understand anything. Because we are in a covenant, covenant that is so powerful and if we know who we are in that covenant, we know what to do. And the trouble is in our society that we're really used to trying to get out of contracts. That's what we do. You know, sadly, sadly, we can make contracts man to man, where we both agree the terms. But how easy it is for it to get out of our contracts. We don't hold them with the reverence that God does. Now, in the Bible, Jews know how important the covenant is. It's absolutely binding. And I want to just have a quick run through the basics of what a, a covenant is. So, we could say that there was a God. And let's suppose that we know nothing. Let's suppose like Noah, that everybody's worshipping the sun and the moon and everything else. And one day, one man looks up into the sky and says, is there a, a being there? Is there a God there? And starts to worship. One man can do that. And at that moment, there is something that's changed because God starts to look for those who are looking for him. And then he makes a covenant. He makes an agreement. But the thing is with God that he says, I make the deal. I tell you what the, the details are, the facts, and you have to agree. We don't agree with, we don't make them, we just agree with him, which is completely different to the contracts that we break. And I might say that Jews are very good at getting you out of a con uh, contract. If you want to get out of a covenant, ask a Jew. They'll get plenty of lawyers. They know how. In fact, some of them have made a huge living out of it. And sadly, sadly, you know, our, our society and our churches are full of people who are pained by broken contracts, you know, divorce. It touches every family, it's touched our families. You know, other business deals that don't work. Brokenness. And it's not for us, people. So there was Noah. So God has wanted always a people that would respond to him, for him. And there are conditional contracts, covenants with God, and unconditional. You know all this, I know you do, but I need to kind of go through this doorway because otherwise none of it makes any sense. So, there is a moment then when that little troop of people, little Noah and his little band of followers, his little family, said, we're going to do what we feel God's doing, the great being that we don't even know really, we don't even know his name, but we're going to. I mean, just think about that. And then our great God rescued them because he will always rescue those who sign up for the contract. And we understand the terms of the contract. And we give up the right to say no. And that's the trouble we've argued with God through the generations. 
And God said, I will put a bow in the sky. I will never, ever again flood the earth. That's unconditional. There is nothing we can do which will stop that. It's completely unconditional. And so man was beginning to reach out. I'm just going to give you the, the main bits of the covenants. So then comes along Father Abraham, who was in a different place at a different time when suddenly he hears the voice of the Father. Come from here and go there. Now this is a principle for us because every time he wants us to move, he says, go from here to there. And I feel to, this morning that my Lord has engaged with me to really get us moving forward from the place we are to the place we need to get to. That's right, absolutely. So there's Abraham. And now a different sort of a covenant, a covenant where he says, not only will I walk with you, but I will echo through your generations. So the grains of the sand and the stars, they will, your family will be blessed and numerous. And God had the plan to find this little people group who were the Hebrews. They weren't Jews. Jews were not in it. And when I get liberty from God, I'll just go into that, the whole house of Israel. Because, let me just say briefly, that Jews came from Judah, one tribe out of the twelve. All right? The people in the land of Israel at the moment are largely yeah. from Judah. Everybody else is not there yet. That's another story. But a covenant that God will fulfill. So God is constantly wanting a people that say, will you agree with me? Will you be, will you be my people? Yes. You do. Praise the Lord. And then right through history, certain things happen because men and people groups all over the civilizations have made covenants. And usually they've got certain aspects. It's two groups becoming one. That's the one aspect. Two groups that become one. And in certain cultures, they would actually cut themselves and let blood flow. They would actually suck blood. I don't know, it makes you feel, make you feel very good. But that's what they would do. Sometimes in some cultures, they would go underneath the turf. Two peoples making a contract together, a total covenant for life. And they would come together, and they would go under the turf. And when they came out of the turf, they would be joined together as one, never to be broken. And the point is that I want to labor is that the covenant cannot be broken, must not be broken between us and God. But we do, we fail. Israel failed. The Bible is a, a litany of people who failed. They did not keep the contract, but God keeps his side of the bargain. And the thing was through, through Abraham and Isaac, and into Jacob, that God was trying to do what? To buy back the seed that was lost by Adam. There had to be a shedding of blood. It says in Leviticus, there is no atonement without the shedding of blood. And Judaism knows there has to be a shedding of blood. There has to be. And so we have to get happy with the fact that God was just not out to benefit us. It was after salvation for whole of mankind. Yeah through a sacrifice which was prophesied from the beginning of time. God wanted to buy back the seed. And so covenants have all these aspects. And usually there's an exchange of goods, like Jonathan and David. What did they do? They exchanged garments. We exchange garments sometimes, don't we? My sisters and I used to exchange. Am I wearing anything that was yours? No, it often happened. 
So we exchange goods because it's a bond of love, one to another. And then they would eat. So every Jewish person will tell you whenever there is a, a celebration, you know, whenever there's a something, a festival, eating is important. And then God came to speak to Moses, a different sort of a covenant, a covenant that was completely different, a covenant where there had to be some ground rules. Why? Because he was trying to get this remnant, rebellious lot, pagan lot, who'd, who didn't know anything. He was trying to get them in some order. Now, if you have a classroom of kids that are rebellious, you don't go in and expect them in, in ten, you know, like, right, everybody sit down, be quiet, and do what you're told. With a group of kids who don't know, Andy will know anybody, any of the teachers in the room will know that you have to kind of let the ground rules go in first. Sit down is the first rule. <laughs> and then you can begin to unpack what you want to say. But you have to give rules, you have to give some groundwork, and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit was doing. Why? Because he wanted to bring a people to be like himself, where they were grounded in those things. So God was looking for his seed to be completed. It's a wonderful one. I can't, I like to teach on the depths of covenant, and I do it over two hours, and I enjoy it. Because it is the basis of all that we're going to live on for the rest of our lives. So sometimes there will be a planting of trees. That would be another sealing of the covenant. Sometimes there will be a memorial stone. But the most important thing is that the two becomes one. So we could say that there were unconditional covenants, that if you do this, God says, if you do this, this will happen to you. And if you read um, Deuteronomy 28, 29, you'll understand about curses and blessings. The blessings come first. If you do this, I will bless you. And then you can read all the curses that come later. But this is the thing, this is the aspect that I want us to get about covenants is, when we make a covenant with the living God, all assets, benefits, talents, resources, liabilities, debts even, obligations of each party belong to each other forever. And then we are mandated to help each other in covenant. Now, we've covenanted with various people across the world, have we not, in our little group? And we've had a, a pastor from India over for a couple of days, Baal, um, from Chandigarh, and we've covenanted with them. And now we are mandated that if they have an issue or any problems, we have to go and help them. Listen to this. We have to go and help them. That's what covenant actually means. Equally, if we are in trouble, they are mandated to come and help us. They have no choices because we've signed up to the contract. We've said yes. And it's, it's powerful when we get hold of, of the covenant we believe in through the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach, through Jesus. The powerful, the powerful fulfilling of a covenant that was set in motion. You know, God spoke words that have echoed down through the generations, through the, through the centuries, and they're still moving. See, the word of God is still moving. I want to say this, but... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just getting warmed up. When God decided that he would make something, and when he said, 
let it be. It was be, it was it, it was done. So God doesn't get up every morning and say, right, well, I'll just turn the sun on, that's it. Just make sure the moon's going. Because he set it in motion, he's it, agreed it, it's done. The word is said, it's going on forever until he rolls up the world. Are we getting this? Yeah. Similarly with his word, it's exactly the same. It echoes down, it's never changed, it's not going to change. It is the word he's given us. And it's as powerful and amazing now as it was all those generations ago. The word of God is still powerful, it's not stopping. The problem is us. That we have bought lies, that we have believed things, that we've taken on shades of fancy of, I'll even say, um, fads in Christianity. You know, we can take things onto ourselves that we don't know. I mean, this is a funny analogy. I noticed this morning I was wearing very wide, not very fashionable trousers, and I didn't know they weren't very fashionable until I went to buy some more (laughs) in Tesco's, and they didn't have any. And they said, oh, no, they're all slim legs now. I said, can I I not have bootleg with belt? No, I haven't got any of those, madam. So I had to buy some slimmy ones, but I'm not quite into them yet. Do you see what I'm saying? I've just got used to them, right? Now, we get used to things because we've been told them, and we've been told there's no other way, and there are lies, people, lies upon this church, not this church, the church. And we need to break them off, because what does, want, what does want God want to do? He wants to activate the covenant within us, because the covenant is in each one of you, 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 each one of us, each one of us. And we have to come to a place where we're in full agreement. Kids, are you with it as well? Talking to you too. The covenant's in you as well. And God requires us to come right to the place where we fully agree with him. I mean, look at David and Goliath. When little David went out to fight Goliath, he didn't go out saying all sorts of stuff. He went out to fight him with what? A covenant. He said, quote, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He held up the covenant. He was uncircumcised. Now that was a requirement that Jewish men were required to take. And nobody, I have to say this because people get the wrong, I'm not saying you should get circumcised men. I said that once somewhere in another part of the world, and they all came and said, do you, do you think we all have to be circumcised, oh, madam? No. But it's a circumcision of the heart. The heart is the issue. The heart is the issue. Eternally will be the issue forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, how did God benefit? He gained legal access. When Adam gave away that right, the whole of creation was waiting with bated breath. What what for? The moment, the Messiah, the Saviour, the one, the Chaba in Hebrew, the one would come and fulfil all that was promised. Can you imagine that moment when the devil thought he'd got him? When he died, he did. And I imagine it like this, that Jesus then went down into hell. He did go down. He went to Hades. And there's the enemy rubbing his hands. I've got him now. I've got the seed forever. Because he's that arrogant, he thinks he can. And then Jesus rolled up his sleeves. And he he showed his blood, his pure blood. And the enemy went, 
And that's exactly what happens when we are around. We are the fragrance. We are the atmosphere. We don't need to whip up an atmosphere. We are the atmosphere. When we walk places, things happen because we have light in us. And the light of that covenant of agreement that he's died and given us full benefits. We have everything. Now, what was God after? He was after us recognizing the power of that moment when he said to that enemy, you bow your filthy knee before me. And that enemy cringes. You know, a little puff of breath from a believer is enough to knock out demons. See, but we don't believe it anymore. We think it's all something else. And we've then equipped ourselves with all sorts of excuses. There is no theology for not being delivered or healed. There is not one. There is only the power of God to absolutely do what he says he will do. And I've been, you know, over the years, some of us have been around a few years. I remember going to a meeting a long time ago, decades ago, when it was very, very in to have inner healing. I'm not saying, please hear me, that inner healing isn't necessary because it is. But there was a sort of a fad thing. Do you remember? And I went to this meeting and this man was preaching, won't say who it was because you might know him, um, about um, a good theological thing about, you know, don't pierce yourself and don't tattoo yourself like the pagans do because that's what the Bible says. Don't behave like the Canaanites, in other words. That's what it's saying. Uh, because then you align yourself with an idol, with a foreign god. That's the reason he didn't want us to tattoo ourselves, folks. But we don't, you know, people tattoo themselves. It's up to you what you do with your body. But there was in this particular meeting, and so he said, and particularly ladies with pierced ears, <sighs> demons. And there was, a, a, I mean, probably 80% of the people, 90% probably of the ladies that got pierced ears. Is anybody here who hasn't got pierced ears? Well, you are. Yes, thank you. Oh, holy woman. And men. Anyway, from around the room came all this incredible screaming and writhing and stuff. And, you know, I just sat there with my arms folded and I thought, well, God, what are you going to do with this? It was just so foolish, really. And there was a sense of, the demons are attracted by fear. They will come in. If you haven't got fear, you know, he'll try and trap you some way. Because the fear, the fear of men, the fear of demons, the fear of anything is an absolute asana. We can't enter in fully to the covenant that God has offered us, that I hope we've all said yes to in this room, with fear. It can't be. So we have to deal with it. Absolutely we do. So the point is, we can't quit. We never, ever quit. And what God is saying to us is we, ne- we need to learn to hate sin, sickness, and disease. Hate it, hate it, despise it. Because the thing is, disease and sickness is in the flesh. It's not in my spirit, I can tell you that. And it's not in your spirit. But we have this thing about it's in our spirit. It's not in our spirit. It's in our flesh. But the spirit inside of us says you get that out of your body. You get it out. You speak to it. And when we all gather around and pray for one another, there's tremendous power. There's tremendous anointing. And for those of us who are going through stuff, you, some of you know I'm going through stuff, but it's not going to beat me. No, 
because I have made a decision that I'd rather die believing than live in fear, doubt, anxiety and worry. I'm not going to do it. But the thing is that we have to make a decision before we get to the battle. By the time you've arrived in the battle, it's too late. You have to decide what you're going to do before you get there. It's really important. And the power of the covenant that he has done for us should hold us up together and bring us up to the place where the lies have got to come off us powerfully, powerfully. Amen. And we decide to eliminate excuses. I am sick of hearing excuses why people don't get healed or anything. I'm using healing a lot as a metaphor, but it's also other principles of other things, especially intercession. I can't labor enough what you said about intercession. If we could get everybody, Moira, and I know you're hot on intercession, we get everybody in this room praying for one hour a day, for a week, it may change so much. So there's arms, whatever we do, we do it with the whole of our heart. But we're not quitting, we're not stopping when things don't work. And that's what the church is, and well, that didn't work, so we've stopped doing that. Well, we don't really pray for people now because it doesn't really work. So we'll do it like a knife, we do our best prayer and walk away, and that's it. And I'll tell you something, I don't want that. I have not the slightest bit interested. I'm interested in being changed by the living God. And we did have somebody kind of attached to us, not our group, but came to us for a while. And when there was a real move of the spirit, they were very sensitive and they were on the floor rolling around and their legs waggling in the air and stuff. And that, absolutely, absolutely. But what I said was, so what did God do right. while you were down there? Absolutely right. And they said, well, I just got blessed. I got really blessed. But did he change you? I got really blessed. And I said, well, you know, I said to God, I remember standing and saying, God, it's not enough for me. No, I want to be changed and blessed. Could you say that all the benefits are for me? Every single one of them. We've written them off, folks, and we've got to get them back. It's the principles. Because anything we put our faith in will fail us if it's not God. Anything. You can put your faith in pills. You know, some of us have to take pills. But we can't put our faith in them. They're not going to save us. They may help us. You know, we should take them if we feel that that's the right thing for us. But they're not going to save us. You know, there's this thing about diet. And diet's good. I've got a really extreme diet. Very extreme. And uh, I haven't had sugar for nearly nine months. Wow. Yes. I have got fairly thin. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to keep my weight up. I'm trying to find ways to keep my weight up. Unlike some others. But... Um, but the thing is that diets, besides, <laughs> I wasn't looking at anybody in particular there. But the thing is that diet won't save me. Because I made the mistake when I first set off trying to lick this invasion in my body. I thought, right, well, I've seen all these uh, videos that people have got healed by diet change. I'll change my diet and I'll be healed, like, really quickly in a couple of months. No, no, it wasn't God's way for me. God was trying to do something in my heart that was so very deep, I desperately needed to be changed, you see. And we have a choice. And God kept saying, you line up with the covenant, echoing, echoing through everything. So, you know, things don't have to be theatrical. They don't have to be atmospheric. 
God will just work. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, now Shabbat, I, you know, I, I tend not to shop on Shabbat. It's my choice. I'm not saying you have to. I choose not to. But yesterday I ran out of something. I needed to go and buy some milk. So I went, took myself off to Asda. And as I'm going, I said to the Lord, if there's anybody you want me to pray for, for healing, I'm, I'm willing, I said. So and you've got to be careful then that you don't go in really quick and out. You know. <laughs> so I'd no sooner walked in through the doors and I saw two people right in front of me, in bo- both together, in electric wheelchairs. And one looked really scary because he'd got lots and lots of tattoos and big earring things and looked really... Mm. And I said, mm. Anyway, I fainted away into, you know, looking for me milk. And then I said to the Lord, well, well, never mind, Lord, I said, if, they, if you alter the circumstances and that you, I bump into them, I get into conversation, I'll, I'll see what you're doing. And so off I go, whizzing around the shop. And then when I was just looking around the bread, I saw another man um, who obviously had a stroke. And so I felt the Lord's little prompt, and I just said, oh, you look as though you're struggling a bit. Oh, I've just had a stroke. I said, would you like me to pray for you? Because do you know that Jesus can heal you? He can heal you today. And he said, yes, you can if you like. <laughs> See, people are very good. And so his wife came, and I prayed for him, and I said, you know, start to be strengthened, because God is now... See, the thing is, people, that the moment we pray, I hope you know this, there is an impartation from us to somebody. So if I go up to Heidi and touch her and just pray, there's an impartation coming. It's not me, him. Why? Because I'm in agreement with the great covenanter. My God is powerful. And he will flow from me to the person. Do you see? And sometimes it only takes a few seconds. So I'm thinking, thank you, God. So I went off and then I bumped right into the man in the wheelchair that I didn't want to speak to because he looked really scary. So I, I, by then I was a bit more encouraged, so I just said, oh, what are you doing in the wheelchair? I said, all politely. <laughs> and he said, I've just had a stroke. Same thing. I thought, God, this must be it. So I said the same thing. Would you like me to pray for you? Yes, he said. So I explained. I said, you know, Jesus can heal you. And the, the power of life can come into your body. And we prayed for... And then I skedaddled. And do you know what? I, I, <laughs> I've forgotten my milk. I've got home. I've forgotten my milk. <laughs> the one thing I'd gone for. So then I had to walk to the other shop to get some milk. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mark 16. We all know that scripture, don't we? In my name, you will. Well, I'm not even going to say it because you should be able to shout it back to me. Every aspect of that should be so familiar to us. We know it. And the thing is, we have to live it. And this is the point. When, when I was recently in Australia, I'm sorry I had to be. It was very wonderful. And I spent a lot of time rubbing things into yourself, don't you? Like a lot of ointment, you know, factor 50 and things. Now, God said, just rub in the truth. Rub in the truth until it's absorbed into you and it's you. Because... If, we, if somebody cuts us, we've got to exude him. You see what I'm saying? It's in us. It's in you. It's not outside. We don't need somebody with a special anointing to come to Andy and Heidi's meeting to get us free. That is a lie. 
God may use these specific people, and there are people who are very, very anointed, and I'm not saying they're not. But what I want to say is that God can use us because the same powers in you, you, me, me, and now I'm just starting to believe it. And I don't think a year ago I did, actually. I said it, but my heart didn't really believe it. And my heart's coming up now to my mouth. And my mouth and my heart are agreeing. I've got to agree with him. When he says we lay hands on the sick and they will be healed and recover, they will. They will. And every person in this room should know how to drive out a demon. Yes. Even you kids. Yep. Remember, they tremble when we're around. They're all mouth and lies. They lie to us. They intimidate us. And they are terrified of us. And we have to get happy with that. That the moment we show up, stuff happens. Have you noticed? Things happen. The enemy doesn't like it when we're around. But we're going to stick around and we're pushing. And we feel that resistance and we keep on going. And, yeah, the enemies know who they are. That's the point. And the moment we attack them, they're going. They've got to go. And, you know, faith comes when we start to use it. And the trouble is we haven't really used it properly. He wants to challenge us. It's not just in healings, deliverance, but I'm using that because it's what it says in the Bible. But there's other things that we're called to that we have to be absolutely keen never to stop. I mean, if you're an intercessor, you can't say, well, I've just got discouraged, so I'm not praying this week. No. Never quit, never stop, never cease, never, ever, ever give in, ever, ever. And once we have that attitude, we have a body of people who are absolutely powerful um, I want to give you an example of faith. Right, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, I don't know if you like, uh, we love him. Yes. And he was a real champion of faith, wasn't he? Now, when he prayed for somebody, and this man only had one leg, foot, one foot, that's it. He had a, yeah, you may know this story, but I just like it. And so he was prayed for, and, and he just went off, and this guy innocently thought, well, I'll just go and buy a pair of shoes. He only got one foot and one leg, a leg with no foot. So he goes into a shoe shop, asks for a pair of shoes, and obviously the shoe person was saying, well, you've got one leg, it's a bit odd. But what he did was he put one shoe on, his good foot, and then he put his stump in the other shoe, and his foot grew. Yeah. <laughs> grew. Yeah. That's our God, that we are in covenant with the same, same things that he did that day and has done. Wow. And... And that's why when someone dies, we need to pray for them. I, uh, let me just give you this piece of advice that I've recently, I believe it, that if somebody dies, like in our meeting, I'm not saying they will, Andy, but supposing, <laughs> we don't send immediately for the ambulance. That's not what we will do. We'll pray. Absolutely. We will pray. And we'll command life to come. Yeah. And I've been feeding myself daily, daily, daily on text, Bible, and uh, testimonies of healings, and I tell you what, it does build up your faith. Yeah. It really does. And we have to be those who say, well, it's the way we're going. So, if someone dies, we're gonna, we're gonna really pray. Now, if somebody gets to, you know, our mum was 94, and we didn't <coughs> feel to pray her back, did we? Because she'd, she'd run the course, and it's time to go. But I am tired, sick, and weary of people who say, well, you know, if they die at 61, it's, it's God's will to take them. 
I actually don't believe it. I no longer believe it. We don't want anybody else to be taken before their time. We've got to fulfill the destiny. Why? Because he's got to get us out there. You see? Either we're going to be those who stand and pray and the intercessors are really galvanized for this and those of us have actually got to get up and do what the word of God says. So, yeah. Make decisions before the battle. Decide what we're going to do. I want to give you some scriptures. I know you know these, but I'm going to lay them on you anyway. Mark 16, 17. These signs will accompany those who believe. You want to chant it with me? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will handle snakes. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, the thing is that I'm practicing this, right? And uh, uh, Maureen and Stephen and I went out and did a bit of practicing the other day, didn't we? And we boldly went up and prayed for people. And we're going out again on Tuesday, so you can pray for us. Anybody else can come with us. And we know that some people get healed, but not everybody, but we're after it. But you've got to use it. You know, when we were kids, we had a grand, uh, a nana who had a big bakehouse. And there was a pump outside. Do you remember the pump? And you couldn't get it going without priming it. I never really understood the theory of it scientifically. John will explain it to me. But they had to pour something in before it would, you know, get going to prime the pump. And it's the same thing when we're praying for people. You know, we've got to keep going. Because it might be, you know, the 51st first person that we pray for. It gets that's it, miraculously healed. But we quit. See, the thing is that the devil doesn't actually do it, have to do anything. He just waits for us to quit. It's not, a, you know, like a strategy. He just stands back. doesn't have to do a thing for most believers. They'll soon give in. And they do. You know, we try and that doesn't work. Our God works. Our God is powerful. And everybody knows the story of uh, Livingstone, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's good. Right, so there he was going through the interior of Africa. And... The tribes people were stealing all his stuff, constantly, getting very fed up, fed up with this. And so one of the local big chiefs said to Livingstone, you need to make a covenant with me. So they agreed the terms of the covenant and they slashed their arms like this and they let the blood flow and they rubbed in ash and that will make the scars stand out. And the chief said, now you're in covenant with me. And poor old Livingston is saying, well, I don't know what that's going to do. He, he, didn't, he didn't say that. I just said that. I bet he said that. <laughs> and so off he went back into the interior. And again, they came to steal all his stuff. But this time, he was really desperate. So he rolled his sleeves up and showed his scars. And the whole of the tribe were... <gasps> Why? Because the big chief was in covenant with this man. You see, now we are in covenant with the biggest chief in the entire universe and every aspect and every good thing and every, everything is ours. Every attribute, every virtue, every goodness, every blessing is ours. Now, what are you going to do with it, people? Because you can sit in here every week with it if you want, but I'm not going to. And we need to be those who are galvanized into our calling. And there are lots of people here who can actually share their testimony. See, you can just give a one minute testimony to somebody in a supermarket or standing at a bus stop. 
and fear will come and you tell them to stop you tell the fear to go see we've got to deal with the fear and somebody said to me oh you're really bold I'm, I gave a, a thing some six months ago about fear do you remember some of you may remember yeah I was like a jelly but God showed me I'm really bold that was the real me but it got covered over with fear you see and we must get rid of those things have I got to stop am I right spirit tell me when to stop anyway I'll just keep going so you shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord now that's that's a verse we love it we embrace it we've seen many many victories just through proclaiming that verse over people who are in desperate situations we keep on saying it to ourselves say it to your flesh say it to your sicknesses body you shall not die you shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord in fact I choreographed a dance for it because we needed to get people going so the closer we come to the Lord the less earth is on us you see what I'm saying there's less of us the, the closer we come to him so if we want to be released we get close to God that's the whole thing and our heart is complete the thing is that he's not going to give you a new thing now people say well just waiting for the power to come and then we'll go out just waiting for the anointing have you not got the anointing have you not got the anointing have you got the anointing because he's in us of course you've got the anointing when you got saved right and I assume everybody in this room has got saved that you said yes to the full attributes of God the God of heaven Jesus the Messiah everything every attribute everything is it's yours everything he said is true and it's yours it's ours we have it we have it and we've got to start believing it and acting on it and when we get filled with the Holy Spirit wow we go out in that direction now we can hear more now we can sense more now we can battle more because the thing is that God wants to work with us he's working with us now it's not like the special person comes and does it all or we're just waiting for the evangelist to come and people will get saved no rubbish we are the evangelists because the spirit is in us and we are the ones whether we're intercessors or ones who can speak or whatever we do or use our gifts and it's amazing we walk him we talk him if we cut as I've said earlier if we cut us he's in us he's coming out so it's not being conformed to this world he's big enough amen and I think that yeah I want to just mention a couple of visions I have quite a lot of recently over the last six or seven months I'm having lots of visions and things and one of the things that um, the Lord spoke to me I go traveling with him does anybody else do that in the spirit yeah anyway I often I'm on my horse I'm often on a horse because I ride a lot I used to ride um, for a a woman that had big professional horses. Have you, you know Malcolm Pyra? You ever heard of him? He's a famous show jumper. Anyway, I was riding a, a big event horse worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. I used to ride competitively a beat when I was newly saved. I was still doing it. And I had a very serious accident one day and I was hospitalized and lost my memory. Right? I got it back, fortunately. But um, when I got out of hospital, eventually, um, I went back to the riding school, uh, not a school, but to the, the centre, and uh, the woman said, right, we'll take the horse that you had the accident on, take that horse and go out on your own 
because this is Lincolnshire and you can go out and ride for two hours and see nobody. And she said, go and jump every five bar gate you can find. So I did. I took this horse called Rookie and he was a good horse, clever. And I jumped two hours on my own. I jumped every five bar gate I could find. And after that, I hardly rode at all. I didn't need to, see. Now what was interesting, I was praying about a couple of things this last week and God reminded me about that. And he asked me a question. So why did Mrs. Dodds let you have her really expensive horse to go off on your own on? And I said, I don't know, God. And God, and he said to me, into my heart, she wasn't trusting you. She was trusting the horse because she made the horse. The horse was trained, trained by her and it was a top flight horse. It knew how to take care of me. Do you see? And God said, through the stuff that I'm going through at the moment, the horse that I ride in the spirit is his power underneath me. And the thing is, he's making me ride it with, without a saddle and bridle, and therefore I can't control it, you see? <laughs> and, and I know all about bridles and standing martingales and all that sort of thing, I can tell you everything. But I'm riding this horse and I haven't got control. I'm out of control. Thank we God. have to be out of control, people. We cannot control him. He has to control us. And it was a, it was a terrible moment for me. I thought, Let, yeah, God. He's looking at the big thing. We're just looking at our little me, 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 flesh, flesh, flesh. He's looking at the big thing. And then another day, um, I had another kind of an open vision. And I saw this big, big expanse, like a Colorado, great big massive field, if you can just imagine that somewhere. I don't know why Colorado, but why not? And there'd been a huge harvest, I could see that, but now it was dry, and nobody, nobody plowed, there was nothing, it was just dead. And I'm looking at this scene with the Lord, and I said, Lord, is there no water? And he said, oh yes, there's water. Oh. Well, where are the people? He said, oh, they're all in the house, weeping. I said, what are they doing there? Well, they haven't plowed and they haven't sown because they'd lost hope. I said, Lord, this is, if this is the state of the church, we've got to get our hope back. We have to get our resolve back. We have to be those who say, I'm taking everything that you say about me, God, as truth. Yeah, how sad. We have not plowed, we have not sown because we have lost our hope. But we're hopeful people and we're going to stay hopeful people, aren't we? Anything that's in the atonement belongs to us. Are we getting this? Anything in the atonement is ours, it's yours, it's mine. It's ours to use, and he wants us to use it in whatever way we can. And nobody in this room is let off the hook, even the kids. Nobody. Nobody is let off the hook. He requires us to walk with him through the attributes of the great covenant he's given us. Because have we given up the right to say no to God? Have you? I'm asking you the question. You can answer it yourself. If you still have a no, well, I'm not doing that, thank you very much, God, they can do that, but I'm not doing that. It usually manifests like that. 
If you've got to know, well, you better deal with it. Because we have given up the right to argue with the contract which says, I am utterly available to you, Lord, in whatever way. So when everybody else is standing, we need to be standing. But this is the other thing the Lord has spoken into my heart recently. I don't want you to just hold the ground. I want you to take ground. Now, that's a new thing. See? So now I'm just holding the ground, Lord, holding the ground. Well, don't hold the ground. Go and take the ground. I give you the ground. He gave Israel the mandate. And I want to just give you a few scriptures from Deuteronomy, if I can ever find them. Written somewhere or another. So let me get my Bible out. And I like Deuteronomy a lot. Because it's talking about going over a lot. Um, yes, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy 29, 11. So Deuteronomy 29, 11. Each of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai, your God, that he is cutting with you today and into his oath. So you cut a covenant. There has to be a cutting. We have to have our hearts cut deeply. The deepest, deepest cut we'll ever know, but it's the one that gives the biggest life to us. Absolutely. Then it goes on. This is in order to confirm to you today as his people, so he will be your God, just as he promised you, and just as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. Not with you alone am I cutting this covenant and this oath, but with whomever is standing here with us today before Adonai our God and with whomever is not here with us today. Well, we weren't there physically, but it says we're there. Whoever is standing, we're standing with him. We're in the covenant. We've cut the covenant, folks. And we're off. And then it says in verse 17, Beware in case there be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from Adonai your God to serve other gods. See, the thing is, God is going to keep the contract with us, the covenant with us, unless we give our heart away. That breaks the covenant. If we don't want him, if we want to go after another God, he will still love us, he will still look out for us, he will still yearn for us. But the contract, the benefits, are no longer available to us because we've now drifted away. So, and there's also just finally one thing about hanging out with the people who are like us. I know that sounds a bit in-house, doesn't it? But you see what I'm saying? We want to be with those who are not going to infect us with negativity because there's always somebody, especially with healing, because it's kind of where I am at the moment, people always say, right, these are the reasons why not God doesn't lies. heal. They are lies. And this is what I'm going to say them out. This is what people say to, to us. They say, well, what about Paul, the thorn in the flesh? It doesn't say it was a physical thing anyway. It doesn't say it was an illness. It just doesn't say that. It's another lie. Or they'll say, ah, well, what about Timothy? He was told to take wine for the sake of his stomach. Well, that's because it wasn't very healthy to drink water then. It was much better to take wine. Is that right? Mix a bit of wine and disinfect the water to purify. Thank you very much. So there you go. Wine, pure wine, is, will disinfect. There you go. And 
And then people will always mention Joni Erickson at the end of that. Well, she didn't get healed. So, you know, we have to say, we dismiss those lies. Because when Yeshua went out to heal people, right, when people say, oh, well, poor Jesus didn't heal many people, because when he went somewhere, he healed a few sick people. He healed everybody who turned up. That's right. If you turned up, you got healed. That's it. He healed and them all. He did heal them all. And when people want to tell you negative things about who did not got hit, get healed, it might be our story, but not anymore. What about the thousands who did get healed? What about the hundreds of testimonies that we have in our arsenal to fight the enemy with? So, I think I've finished. Hold nothing back, people. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. And connect up to that moment when we say, we are going to command demons to leave. We are going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover because we're not stopping. And we will intercede those of us who are intercessors. We will fulfill what it says in the covenant. We will do what it says. And he's our God. Amen. And a thousand other things I could say, but not now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.